All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, Gojo and Golik, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in the 2024 NBA postseason. You get it. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Back here on Gojo and Golik, everybody, where it is time now to turn our attention to a fun little conversation the guys had with Clay Matthews earlier this week before all of this crazy-ass 24-hour news cycle dropped on us, including Pete Carroll stepping down, leaving, being removed from head coach of the Seattle Seahawks because he was a guy who coached Clay at USC, acknowledged before, they didn't even know how good the linebacker was for most of their time together. Played 11 seasons in the NFL, 26 overall pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, Super Bowl champion, six-time Pro Bowler. Gentlemen, take it away. So a funny thing happens post-playing career. All these people and schools that you're so trained to hate as a kid, you end up getting more exposure to and meeting people and realizing, man, there's a lot of good people around here. And sitting here talking to Clay Matthews right now, obviously former USC standout, soon to be Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer, which is awesome. And congratulations on that, Clay. But I'm sitting here before the interview talking to you, and I'm like, damn, this is like the nicest SC guy I've ever met. You're going to make me actually not feel like feel good about beating the Trojans anymore. I, I'm 
Yeah, I, I feel like I can't say a whole lot this year, especially after the drubbing the the Irish put on SC. I think that was their first loss of the season after starting out 6-0, and and then they kind of broke the dam. And um, so I think that's partially why I'm being extra nice to you here. There we go. You know what? I appreciate that. I appreciate the tree in the background, too. You've come correct here. A beautiful-looking tree. I got to ask, real or fake? It's always an important holiday season question. That is a real tree. Uh, I'm not sure what type of fur it is, but it's it's very expensive. And uh, my wife does all the decorating. She doesn't let me do anything. And, and I asked her, I said, are we going to take this down? She said she's going to ride this Christmas holiday season all the way until hopefully the end of January. So by that time, the needles will probably be falling off and creating a mess. But yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to let this thing ride, see where it goes. So she's on setup duty. She gets it. And then you, I'd imagine, just get to clean up the needles then. Yeah, absolutely. I got the Dyson vacuum going all the time. I'm actually on watering duty too. I didn't miss a day this year. So I'm feeling good as uh, you know, stay at home dad slash uh, tree water or there you go. Hey, listen, we all have our part to play on the team. You've obviously played yours historically very well at a number of different spots. So no surprise that you've been great as a tree waterer and carer. You've also been great if people have been paying attention this year to the weekly DraftKings Challenge DoorDash and Clay Matthews series. And now we've got a shot at the playoff bra uh, bracket that is also brought to you by DoorDash, where you can enter your bracket for a chance to win $30,000 in, in cash prizes. So Clay, I'd imagine that's been a nice fun side project for you here in between bouts of watering the tree yeah it has been you know i mean uh while i was playing i got into fantasy a little bit and then afterwards i kind of took some time away with the kids and so this was an opportunity to get back in it and kind of reset the lineup each and every week so and the fact that we were competing against others um from all over made it that much more enjoyable but i'd like to think i you know, confided in, in, in my agency and knowing who to, I had insider information, you know, and a lot of times when you have insider information, you make wise decisions, but I still think I was middle of the pack and all this expertise and knowledge that I've garnered over the years was for nothing, but I, I had a good time. And ultimately, isn't that what matters? Amen. As long as you had fun, the journey was absolutely worth it. Everyone else can check out the journey and enter at DraftKings.com slash DoorDash playoffs to get in on it and see if you can take down Clay. And uh, while you say the experience is for not there, I'd have to imagine it's pretty valuable in other spots. We're getting ready to start the NFL playoffs this upcoming week. Obviously, you're familiar with that. You were part of a Super Bowl run here. And I'm curious for you now, as you've reflected on that, I'm sure over the years and watch other teams getting ready to embark on this what do you look for as like the most important ingredient in a team that can actually make that kind of run to a super bowl yeah I, I think it's the team that's the hottest at that point i mean you look at um you know how the eagles started off the year and how they're just kind of i mean they're not looking good going into the playoffs whereas you look at the rams and the packers and those teams that just every game for the last however many weeks has been a playoff do or die mentality and, and i can speak on my Super Bowl experience in 2010, we barely made it in. Uh, I think we had to win the last two games to be the sixth seed. And we were just the hottest team at that time. Maybe not the best, but we went and, you know, won all four games and, you know, brought home a, a Lombardi. So I look at, you know, the hottest teams and the teams that just have the most momentum. And, and to me, um, yeah, well, there's a few, though. I mean, you know, like I said, I just mentioned the Rams and the Packers, but also Baltimore is just on fire. You know, San Fran, you know, has all the momentum. So I'm excited about this playoffs, um, especially with all the storylines as well that we're seeing.
I want to get into some of your former teams, but you mentioned the Ravens in there as well. They've been uh, an historically great defense for a lot of this season as someone that was a part of a lot of really impressive defensive units. What stands out most about that side of the ball for them? I think they've taken on this mentality of, you know, this hard, tough, kind of punch him in the mouth defense. And they're flying around and kind of representing what we had seen of the Baltimore Ravens of the Suggs era, Ray Lewis, uh, Haloti Nada, those guys who just kind of set the tone from the get-go. And I think that's what you're seeing. And then to compound that with what Lamar is doing on the offensive side and all the explosive power they have over there, it just makes a recipe for having the season in which they did. It's been a really impressive run by them. You mentioned your old team in the Green Bay Packers, one of the teams making it to the dance here and doing it with yet another quarterback under center now for the first time in a while. Jordan Love takes over this season. You know the pedigree of that organization at quarterback better than anybody here. How surprised are you that they've managed to do this again? I'm actually really surprised. Um, Naturally, having played with uh, Aaron Rodgers for 10 years, when they move on from somebody, you know, there's that there's that human element where, you know, you're you're a little upset. And, um, you know, with Jordan coming in and trying to follow the success in which he that not only Aaron had, but Brett before him trying to fill the, you know, the shoes of those two legends. And early in the season, they were struggling. But there was a point last night in the game, I, I think uh, Jordan had uh, thrown a touchdown and I rewound it and showed my wife who couldn't have cared less. He threw it off one foot. He threw it off one foot. Just like it, it was, it was, it was fun to watch as a fan of the game. Now, as I take a step back, I really do think that everything that was said about Jordan, um, you know, prior to the year and, and the ability that he possesses is starting to be on full display and you see it with the throws he's making and the connection he has with a lot of his young receivers. So, I mean, I would look for this thing to, to continue to get better, not only this year in the run they, they could possibly make, but, you know, for the foreseeable future. You said stepping back as a fan now and watching, is there anything you found yourself honing in on more now that there's a little bit more space between your playing career and you watching now, something that maybe you noticed that you didn't think about as much when you were playing? I think towards the latter part of my career, especially really my last year when I played in LA, I had just became such a student of the game and knew all the little nuances. And, you know, when the quarterback breaks the pocket, you can, you know, knock the receiver down, or if he goes out of bounds, he can't be the first one. So you can let him go. So now as I watch it, I almost feel like an armchair quarterback sitting at home, but I, I, you know, I like to, to talk shop. My dad was out here for uh, Thanksgiving and obviously with his background in the NFL, it, it's fun to kind of share those stories and watch these guys on TV now and kind of share what I had seen, how the game's evolving and changing and, and just enjoying the game from a different perspective now with a lot less anxiety and stress. That's for sure. So you mentioned the holidays, obviously your family pedigree, well-known by everyone involved, a lot of football in the Matthews house. What's the biggest complaint you get from your dad when he watches the game now? Like I sit with my dad and every time a roughing the passer call happens, I think he's going to explode and throw his iPad through the wall. What's it for your dad when you, when you guys are hanging out watching ball? I think it's just, it's, it's those nuances that I was just discussing. It's just 
I, I watched a play yesterday, and, I, and now I sound like that old crusty vet where the cornerback shot inside the receiver when he's supposed to hold outside leverage so his 10 other players can make the tackle, and he jumps inside. So it's stuff like that that drives us nuts, where guys are kind of taking the liberty to do what they want and um, not following within the confines of the defense. So I would say it, it's those little things. It's, it's, it's how defenses work together, specifically defenses in this case, and how you know all 11 must be on the same page. And then obviously he harps on tackling because you know every, every old guy loves to talk yeah. about how they can't tackle, but they, wanna, they, they never want to look back at uh, you know, how many missed tackles they have. But yeah, tackling as well. Is that the thing he gave you the most grief about when you were playing and he got a chance to watch a nitpick? No, he was, uh, he never gave me too much of a hard time. I think what was great was I think for the longest time, and I don't know how it was for you. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of had a, a long arm up as far as like, I, I got this dad, I got this. I don't need your help. And there was a point specifically in my rookie season. Um, we had lost, I think the Owen seven, uh, Tampa Bay bucks. And I finally called him. I said, what can I work on? And, 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 you know, how can I, what you know what can help me and it was little stuff whether it was crouching the line whether it was looking for this doing that and so i think from that point on i really um went to him for advice more so than i'm sure many others can with their fathers just with you know 19 years of experience he just has so much to give me just from you know the nuances of how heavy a tackle sitting in his stance to the eyes of the u tight end who's across the line who might be sifting back so i i think that's what made it uh you know really special the kind of those post game or pre-game when he flew out to green bay to kind of you know let him know the defenses that were going to be called the position I was going to be in and what we we're going to try and accomplish that I'm sure most other parents would have just gone straight over their head. I, I can definitely feel you on having that arm out for a long time. It was called high school. And I was, uh, I'm not proud looking back now at home yeah. off. And I was like, I got this to a guy that played nine years in the NFL, but uh, we're all young for a while and we all learn eventually. And uh, like you said, it, it, it gets you some pretty cool moments. I, I want to get to your old coaches. You obviously spent a lot of time with Mike McCarthy in green Bay, who's with the Dallas Cowboys now, and then finished up your last year with the Los Angeles Rams. So as both of those teams get set to go, obviously different positions but what stands out to you about each one of those coaches and why their teams tend to be so successful sure i mean just from my year with mcveigh i got there i think i was 33 years old and i you know i'm coming from mike mccarthy who is from pittsburgh so that goes without saying as far as you know how he <laughs> operates being a head coach and how practices run and and how he wants the pads popping and everything and then i go to mcveigh and within the first practice i go i get it and we had guys uh, not only myself but you know aaron donald todd Gurley, brandon cooks uh keep to marcus peters big personalities that he is able to be on the same page with you but still demand your best so it, it's it's when you're around him and not only his knowledge of the game, but the way he's able to be on the same level of his players, um, it, it's, it's obvious why they've had so much success. And then uh, going back to the 10 years in which I spent with Mike, he's just, um, he just gets it. You know, he's just a coach that, you know, understands the grind of the season and, and, and what it takes to be a successful team. He's always had a prolific offense. He's had, obviously uh, great quarterbacks and that continues with Dak and you see that with their offense and, and the numbers they're able to generate, obviously a defense that's, that's playing really well. So it, it, it doesn't surprise me for both. And um, 
I don't know if you're going to get on the topic, but it, it's it's going to be fun this weekend to watch the Packers go into, uh, you know, Dallas and 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 you know, who who am I really rooting for here? I can say, how does that feel watching your old team who, like we said at the beginning of this, you're going to be a member of the 2024 Packers Hall of Fame class there. Congratulations. That's incredibly well-deserved. I'm sure you've got a gold jacket not too far down the road here as well. But going up against the guy that you did go to battle with for 10 years, who are you rooting for? Yeah, I was. I actually thought about this, but you know, at the end of the game, uh, last night, Sunday night football game, they were announcing, you know, what teams are playing who. And I, and I thought, man, it and I hope the Packers fans don't take this the wrong way. It would be really cool to see Mike, you know, get a victory. And, and I, I, he takes a lot of criticism, you know, especially for the few losses they've had in the playoffs and, you know, seeing how his time ended in green Bay, where he wasn't able to finish out the 2018 season, you know, I'm sure this one would feel good for him. And I don't think anybody who was a part of any of Mike's teams would, um, wouldn't be happy for him. Now, that being said, you know, obviously with my 10 years in green Bay and now my kids are becoming, you know, the biggest Packers fans. I feel like it's, it's only natural that I'm like, all right, well, you know, it, it's, it's go pack go around these parts. Uh, so, you know, I'm pulling for the Packers, but like I said, if, um, you know, if the Cowboys win, I'd be very happy for Mike. There we go. It's a very diplomatic answer. I don't I feel like Packers fans can get too mad at you for that one. So way to thread the needle. Thanks. <laughs> it's impressive. Clay, before we let you go, I, I do want to get you out on this. I kind of joked with you about the college aspect coming on here, but you know, I, I know a lot of guys that went to Southern Cal, a lot of guys that play there, the pride that there is in that program, the alumni base there. And so for you, what is your temperature on the program right now, especially with the way the defense has looked the last couple of years as a guy that was part of some units that quite honestly kicked our ass pretty badly when I was in South Bend? <laughs> it's it's frustrating to say the least, because I, I said this last year, I, I don't go on um, social media and, you know, kind of voice my concerns and that, but within, you know, those who can care about my opinion of the game, they had arguably the best offense in college football last year and this year. And their defense is, you know, one of the worst. And, you know, Caleb is just a truly special talent to watch him and what he was able to do. He made it fun. And, and they were, you know, averaging 50, what it seemed like 50 points a game. I'm sure it was, it was less, but I mean, he just, he, every game they were in it. Um, so I know they uh, had fired the defensive coordinator. I think they hired the former UCLA D coordinator moving to the big 10 um, and then uh, I'm already forgetting the guy's name. I shouldn't though, but after his, uh, what was it? The holiday bowl performance, um, where he threw five, six touchdowns or something. Um, oh yeah. Miller Moss. Yeah. Miller Moss. They, they might be in good hands for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that, that, that better times are around, but I tell you what, the last two years were, were real fun to watch, especially in light of, you know, kind of the mediocrity that had ensued after the the kind of the Pete Carroll era. So I'm excited to, you know, I'm always excited when the, when the college football season starts and, you know, those rivalries, but now I gotta, I guess I gotta get geared up as we talked about SC versus Rutgers or Penn state versus <laughs> SC. I mean, I, yeah, well, it, it'll be fun nonetheless. 
uh, it, it'll definitely be fun. And uh, yeah, surprise, surprise, USC has ended up with potentially another great quarterback prospect. I, for one, am stunned that you guys keep finding your way into this. It's uh, it's an impressive lineage there and uh, certainly just overall uh, impressive by you. Clay, can't thank you enough. Again, the partnership with you, DraftKings and DoorDash, Challenge DoorDash and Clay Matthews. You can check out there, enter your bracket for a chance to win 30000 in cash prizes, heading over to DraftKings.com slash DoorDash playoffs clay thanks so much for the time man congratulations on all the success and uh hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon man absolutely thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah, it just it, it really was i said at the beginning of that dad i hate when i found out guys that went to schools that were rivals yeah. are actually really good dudes and it seems like clay he, was listen a he's a good, good guy then f- yeah that family yeah the family <laughs> i mean if people don't know this tree clay matt his uh Clay Matthews Sr., which would be Clay, who you talked to, his grandfather, he was in the 1949 NFL draft, so he played. And then the sons, Clay Matthews Jr. and Bruce Matthews, were my era. Um, Bruce was actually my teammate in Houston. And those two had to play against one another because Clay uh, Jr., not this Clay you were talking to, Clay Jr., was an outside backer, and he would be rushing against his, his, uh, his brother Bruce all the time. It would be amazing to watch because when they were when Clay was on the Browns and Bruce was on Houston, my brother Bob was on the Browns and I was on Houston, but we never played against one another like they did. And then Clay Matthews Jr.'s two kids, Clay the third, who you talked to, and oh Casey both play in the NFL. And Bruce Matthews has two kids. Kevin was a center in the NFL, and his other son Jake still plays in the NFL. Has been the left tackle for Atlanta since 2014. So the family tree of Matthews in the NFL goes back to 1949 when Clay Matthews Sr. was drafted. It is incredible what a football family they are. Really cool people. Yeah, I know people love to make jokes about us and and our family and what (laughs) Thanksgiving or holidays must be like. Like, imagine what that's like. Like, God God forbid the disagreement turned physical in the Matthews (laughs) household during a holiday season. Now, I don't know if they'd do damage to a Thanksgiving table the same way that we would. I feel like we're a little bit built different in that. But if you asked us all to go out and play touch football, we would be in absolute hell. Oh, sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Nom, 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 nom. Summertime is an awesome chance to enjoy some downtime, but also focus on taking care of myself before I get to the grind of fall football season and everything that comes with that. So I like to make sure I'm getting outside, moving around, eating as best I can, and of course using some sunscreen, especially on top of my bald head, to protect myself. And whether you're off to the pool, hiking, or traveling this summer, remember you're always bringing your microbiome with you. That's the 38 trillion bacteria that live in and on you, especially in your gut, that are essential to whole body health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two capsules a day. I've been taking Seed for about a month now, and DSO-1 has been awesome for me. I feel more regular, my skin looks and feels great, and it's incredibly convenient. I can store it right in the cabinet with all my other supplements because I don't have to worry about refrigerating it, and the free travel vial that I got with the welcome kit allows me to take DSO-1 on the go with me wherever I am during this busy summer. Because remember, your body's an ecosystem, and great whole body health starts in the gut. Your gut's that central hub for all the various pathways throughout your 
your body. And a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and so much more. And it's backed by a ton of science with clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals. Seed's probiotic research and development make DSO-1 a product you know you can trust. Not only has every ingredient been tested individually in scientific studies for their safety, dosage, and benefits, the DSO-1 formulation as a whole has been evaluated in two clinical trials. So support your gut this summer with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm old enough to remember when the Seahawks removing Pete Carroll as head coach was the biggest football news in America. So the Seahawks parting ways with Pete Carroll as their head coach. That was yesterday. That was the first massive nugget of the day after he spent nearly 15 years in that role. So team owner Jody Allen releasing this statement announcing that he was not fired, but his role is, quote, evolving from head coach <laughs> to advisor. And he was quite emotional in his press conference yesterday. It's been an honor and a thrill to be part of this program. And uh, I've loved every minute of it. And uh, <laughs> you've watched me love it <laughs> in particular. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting that, that there's such a future uh, uh, here. And, and you can see it. And we know what's happening. And, and uh, it's bright. And the club's got great places to go. And there's great chances. It don't ever happen automatically. There's a lot of work to be done and all of that. But the future is bright. And uh, following our season-ending meetings uh, with ownership um, in the planning sessions, it's clear that, uh, and for a variety of reasons, um, we, we have mutually agreed uh, to set a new course and uh, for the club uh, to, to take on new leadership. All right, go, Joe. How long does he last as an advisor? Because if you listen to that whole presser, that dude did not sound like someone who was done coaching. No, and we had heard him really at the end of the season before all these meetings indicate as such that he didn't feel like he was done with Seattle. His every indication was he wanted to be back next year. And, Dad, it seems like Jody Allen and the folks uh, uh, that are in charge of this team had other plans in that. The interesting part for me is it seems like a guy that clearly does still have a desire to coach, and we focus so much in New England on the potential rift that could form depending on how this is handled and the dismount. Pete Carroll even being open to some sort of advisory role in the front office at least indicates to me that while the decision may not have been one that he was necessarily excited about, the relationship clearly still seems to be good enough to where he'd even entertain that. Yeah, I, and because clearly he, he this was not his choice. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And remember, he is also kind of an executive. Since 2010, he's been vice president of football operations. Uh, and and now already on his Wikipedia page, it says 224 to present advisor. So they got him down as the advisor role until whether he continues with that. Or he did say in that else. regard he would not be working with GM John Snyder or anyone involved to find his replacement. So he's at least right. going to recuse himself from that for all the obvious reasons. This is a guy, all we hear about him, you know, we, we talk about Nick Saban and, and Bill Belichick, and sometimes we put the word stodgy to them, like really gruff, 
you know, tough coaches. And Pete Carroll is like the antithesis of that, always smiling, running around, throwing passes. Uh, I forgot the, the player that we had on from Seattle. Uh, Jordan Brooks, about- our linebacker. Right, right. Uh, who talked about how how he has more energy than we do? Uh, it's just amazing. You know, he fits right in, even with the younger guys. So this is this is someone who, and also I hope he doesn't stop coaching. Just for the fact that when you see coaches who have coached for a long time stop, you know how how it can affect them. So if he still wants to, I hope he does, and it, it continues to bring the question of. If he wants to keep coaching, and if Bill Belichick wants to keep coaching, you have two 70-year-olds in this era of the NFL that want to probably want to still coach. We know one does for sure. Where do they fit now? They still fit. Listen, now it's been a few rough years for Bill, obviously, uh, and and with with Pete, just really surprising last year with what Geno Smith did this year. I mean, it's he's still kind of right there. Um, So. I, I just and we talked about this earlier with Bill, Mike, you know, where do these guys fit in the pecking order of today's game where right now there are eight openings, eight openings. And we always talk about four to seven every year. There's eight right now. Um, so there's obviously going to be new first time head coaches, OCs or DCs around. There's going to be retreads around as well, like a Vrabel or if Jim Harbaugh comes back into the NFL again. But where do these guys fit? Where would ownership of those teams put those guys to say, yeah, because if you're looking for a head coach, that means your team needs to be turned around a bit, some more than others. And where does a 70-something-year-old head coach fit into that? Yeah, you worry about longevity, and that's why I think it knocks Bill down because his style's also a little more abrasive. For Pete, I think the marriage of Pete and modern players is a much easier fit yeah. in terms of Agreed. his style. It's always been relentless positivity. That is the way that Pete Carroll's won for his entire career. And you know, we all tried to insinuate that Pete was cooked at the end of the marriage between him and Russell Wilson years ago when the conversation on Sports Talk was, if you're going to pick and keep one, who would it be? And I was one of those people on the wrong side of history saying you keep the quarterback and not the coach because it seemed like the game had passed Pete by and then he responds by helping resurrect Geno Smith's career and making that team a contender again so I I still think he'd have gas in the tank and because of his style because of how young he seems for a man his age despite being the oldest coach he might have an even bigger market potentially than a guy like Bill Belichick even with all the success I'd probably still say Bill slots over him just because of the all-time weight of his resume but Pete wouldn't be far behind and let's also remember Pete's one of three right one of three college head coaches that have won a national championship and then a Super Bowl in the NFL because we have seen college coach after college coach fail and 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 a lot of times fail miserably when they get to the NFL but it's Pete Carroll USC and then obviously the Super Bowl in Seattle there's Jimmy Johnson the title at Miami uh, at the U and then, obviously, with the Cowboys a couple times. And then the third is Barry Switzer, which doesn't get a lot of play at times. Barry Switzer won at Oklahoma. And then one with what everybody will continue to say, a Jimmy Johnson stacked roster sure. with the Dallas Cowboys. So Barry sometimes isn't, isn't put up as highly as a Pete Carroll or a Jimmy Johnson. But those are the only three. 
So it's difficult to come from college to pro. And, and at times, Pete Carroll may be the verb, you know, of if we talk about Jim Harbaugh. If Jim Harbaugh left Michigan to go back to the NFL, people will say, well, he Pete Carrolled it. Trouble is coming possibly to Michigan with investigations yeah. like it was happening at USC. And then Pete ends up, you know, in the NFL at Seattle. Which it should be noted, given all the scandal and impropriety that goes on in college, yeah. the scandal that was coming at SC was because Reggie Bush had a sick house a, and car ridiculous. at exactly. a time now that yeah. would have been normal in the current landscape right. of football. Right. Dad, it's funny with all this news coming down, we got to Pete last because he was the first of these that happened. He's the one I'm most romantic about. Like Bill Belichick for, for people my age, Nick Saban for people my age, they were cold markers of time. And we said Nick was a little warmer in some ways, but they were the unwavering, unrelenting standard across their level of the sport for so long. Pete Carroll, I think because of his personality and because of the groups he was associated with, I don't know, man, like... You and me have different views on USC. They were your most hated rival at Notre Dame. For me, it was Michigan. And I think part of it was because USC was one of the teams that made me love college football when I was a kid. Those yeah. early 2000s USC teams were larger than life. They transcended the sport because he made them so cool. Movie stars and actors were showing up at practice. They were stars in a town in Los Angeles that doesn't traditionally absorb college sports like that. He made the teams that defined an era, that game against Texas, in the, for the championship game when I was young is one of the greatest games ever played. And then he followed up creating an iconic program in USC in the beginning of the 2000s in college football by going and helping author one of the named defenses of the 21st century in yeah. the Legion of Boom Seahawks, another team that was so dripping in personality and swagger and style that was so individual and so big a departure from the Saban teams and the Belichick teams that all tended to be a little bit more nondescript, a little bit more name gray, nameless gray faces in their personality. Pete had such a flavor and a flair that he left such an indelible mark and almost feels like more gravity in that loss in some ways because of it. Dude, and Dan Pete Quinn, embraced the I was, I was going to say, sorry to cut you off there, Mr. G, but Dan Quinn helped coordinate that Legion of Boom defense. Some saying he may be the favorite to replace Carroll, and some say, hey, might Quinn consider Carroll for a member on his staff? Yeah, I, I don't think, if Quinn got it, I don't think that would happen. I don't think Carroll would be on his staff, but Quinn, you know, listen, he was the DC of that, and to your point, Mike, Pete embraced the cool, right? He embraced the L.A. style. He embraced the fun and the cool and the stars where Saban and Belichick never would have done anything and hadn't done anything like that. So, yeah, you thought of Pete as that cool dude. Yeah, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick were arguing at the Thanksgiving table. Pete was outside smoking weed with the cousins. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother! <laughs> Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
All right, we've waxed poetic about Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll at this point. God bless every... So, like, when you have the big box places like ESPN or Fox and stuff like that, you've got all these montages ready and sitting in the can for years for when this news might possibly come, especially for guys that have been around this long. You never know when the end might be for, you know, Bill Belichick or Saban or any of these guys. And so you've always got the packages ready. Getting to fire off that whole clip in one day has got to be incredible theater and a programming nightmare for so many people. So God giving his toughest battle to his strongest soldiers, <laughs> television and radio producers. But uh, dad, it also gives us the chance to kind of start to forecast in the meantime, what the future does look like at, at all these spots without these is now Alabama needs a new head coach. The Patriots need a new head coach and the Seattle Seahawks all need a new head coach to take over for legends in their respective organizations. Each and every one of them, Pete Carroll included. I saw Mina Kimes yesterday on NFL Live say he is the greatest coach in Seahawks history and that is not hyperbole and so you're tasked with replacing that I'd be interested in what you think dad because it seems like at least two of these jobs have pretty easy replacements that people have name associated and slotted in Emerson mentioned at the end of last segment Dan yeah. Quinn I was on with 105.3 in Dallas yesterday and everyone there is kind of quaking in their boots <laughs> believing that the Seahawks are going to go after Dan Quinn, who was the architect of those Legion of Boom defenses under Pete when they were winning, and that the Patriots are going to pick a former linebacker, either Gerard Mayo, who's been on staff there, or Mike Vrabel, who's been coaching in Tennessee since that time as one of the replacements there. Do you see it differently for either of those teams? Well, no, I, I, I see it as those are potential targets. Now, it doesn't mean those potential guys, either Mayo, Vrabel, or Quinn, will take those jobs, right? Just because... Vrabel played there doesn't you know he's still a head coach who's going to be in demand and do you go to where you played and the guy who coached you or do you go to the best situation you know do you go if you have the choice if the Patriots want him but there are two or three other teams that want him is it because you are a Patriot or do you say you know what of the four choices I have, they're third on the list. I don't think you get – maybe in college you get that guy that goes to his alma mater or somebody who worked a long sure. time at the school. Sure. But I don't think in the NFL it's that way. Dan Quinn has been – people have been going after him the last couple of years and his page just keeps going up and up and up because he has choices. So, again, is Seattle – if he has the choice, if three teams come after him, is Seattle the best option? as a head coach. So just because there's an association there in the NFL, I don't do it like in college where there can be an association. So while I get those names and I get it, I don't, I don't at all think it's a given because I mean, if, if Vrabel is offered the chargers job or the Patriot job on paper, I mean, which one is better? I mean, which one is better right now? It's it's the Chargers, I, I think, because the pay because of the number one reason the Patriots do not have a quarterback. Now they have a side of the ball that Vrabel's used to on the defense that's doing well, sure. and that's what he would have to fix with the Chargers. But he has an offense, but he's a defensive guy, and he could help fix that defense like like Brandon Staley couldn't do. So. I, I, I don't I don't make an assumption that because he spent his career there and was drafted by Belichick that it's automatic if New England offers him the job he'd take it. I think familiarity is a factor in this, though, and that can be good or bad, right? He can have the familiarity with the Patriots organization that would say to Mike Vrabel, "Hey, I know going in there, 
I know where everything is. I know how this operates. I know what makes this organization tick. And so I feel like I can do a good job or I know the things that'll be restrictive and reasons why this job wouldn't necessarily be the one that I wanted to latch onto. Because we do all pencil the chargers in at the top for the Justin Herbert of it all. But as our friend Mina Kimes also once said, that job is like a haunted house where it looks great, but everyone that goes in, it seems to get chewed up and spit out with great rosters hamstrung by injury and then ultimately led to an early demise. So there is that factor in all of it. And you're right, looking at the rest of the roster and the opportunity, like Dan Quinn's another interesting one. Part of the reason he has stayed on in Dallas is because he's been waiting for the absolute right opportunity. Because, man, if you're Dan Quinn, you can go out and look pretty good every year when you've got Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs and all these great defensive pieces that you're dealing with with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, going back to Seattle at this point, it's been a total role reversal. I mean, the back half of Pete Carroll's career, really, once they decided to side with Russell Wilson over a lot of the Legion of Boom guys in a way that caused a lot of friction, the team's identity tried to flip and it didn't necessarily work out great there. Now the Seahawks have been trying to rebuild defense really for the last however many years. Is that a task that Dan Quinn looks at as enticing or does a job like Tennessee where you're going to have a young quarterback and a defense that's got some compelling pieces in the front seven to try and build around or the Chargers for the reasons that you mentioned here anywhere down the list? I I think familiarity does get your foot in the door, but it's going to be interesting how these teams close. So again, eight teams, New England, the Chargers, Atlanta, Carolina, Washington, Seattle, Vegas, and the Titans all have job openings. So it's always, you know, the top coaches involved in this usually have a choice. But Mike, I am so interested in ownership on who these teams target. Because think about where we are. I don't know if we've ever, we haven't. We haven't because this guy's never been available. Of who's available, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh still possibly. We don't know that. Mike Vrabel, before you even get to the hot, would be the hottest first-time head coach coordinator everybody talks about is Ben Johnson. There are other coordinators out there and first-time possible head coaches that are going to get looked at. But the names in front before you get to those possible first-time head coaches and even throw in You know, like I said, the Dan Quinn, who was a head coach, but a hot commodity. A Brian Flores, is he a a former head coach? A Raheem Morris, a Steve Wilkes. You know, these other other names that have been head coaches that are out there, where do the young coaches that we've seen a slew of lately, especially if you were associated with McVay, where do you see those guys? I mean, now do they drop down on the list or does one of these eight teams just say, we want the young guy, we want him first? Oh, give me Harbaugh. I do think it's very interesting to think about this in rel- relative to the Chicago Bears and the decision that they just made. Because the Chicago Bears came out and said they're going to fire Luke Getze, their offensive coordinator, but Matt Eberflus is going to keep his job. And you think about the timeline difficulty that that presents now, Dad, because what you just described, the cavalcade of great coaching candidates that are available in the market, both proven and unproven right now, is unlike anything we've seen in recent history much like the way we talk about the quarterbacks at the top of this draft, where you've got a real opportunity with the guys at the top in Drake May and Caleb Williams. And so I go back, I've used the term opportunity cost with the the, uh, Chicago Bears for a while now. And think about the timelines that are presented to them here, Dad. You can either fire Luke Getze, so if you keep Justin Fields, he's now in his third coordinator in four years, and if things don't go well, you're going to probably have everyone right. get fired yep. over the course of next season and be up you know, Bleeps Creek with that one. Or you take a new quarterback, 
quarterback at the top of the draft and now you've got a coach in Matt Eberflus who's a lame duck coach going into this year in a situation we almost never see the coach survive where you've got a great young talented quarterback and then the team still doesn't succeed well enough and now they decide to make the change there and that great young quarterback you just spent capital on is now dealing with a new staff and all the challenges that come with that. See, Justin freaking Fields and what just happened with the Chicago Bears in the same role. So the move is very high risk because essentially if the Chicago Bears, with all their capital and the foundation they set this year, don't go out and become the 2023 Houston Texans of next yep. season, yep. they're going to be in an unstable version of that timeline that puts these assets at risk. And that's fool's gold. That is fool's gold because we all know that's the exception what Houston did this year. It's not the rule. It is absolutely the exception. But owners see it happened. This happened. So it should be able to happen with us, especially when we have the first pick like that and we get whoever we want if we're going to take the quarterback. So uh, that, that's a, an unfortunate trap I think owners fall into is because it happened here, it should happen to us. I think it's unfair to put that on a staff and on a GM, but that's just the reality of the game today. Hear me out. Hear me out. Harbaugh to Seattle. The irony would be absolutely unmatched. A noted rival of Pete Carroll's in college and the NFL. He's thrived on the West Coast. At both levels here, gets to play his old team twice a year, prove them wrong? Give it to me, baby. And, and would be escaping scandal at the college level for the safe, loving arms of the Seahawks, much the same way Pete Carroll did. It's going to be fascinating to watch the Damo effect in one of the most important coaching change off-seasons we've ever seen. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. And if any of you guys know what to do with this Eagles-Bucks game, let me know. The Bucks home dogs getting three points against an Eagles team that has limped into the postseason. I don't know what to expect. Going to be a wild one. You need to get in on the action by downloading DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. New customers can bet just five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. Busy one. This, that, and third. Three quick stories to send you into your day. Stories that on any other day probably would have been A-block stuff, but because three of the best coaches of all time in college football and the NFL decided to retire or get fired in the same 24 hours, our plans changed drastically. And because of that, 
Make sure you always download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating. Try and check us out live for mornings like this, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV Plus, and Roku, where you can see great guests like our buddy Laura Rutledge, the host of NFL Live and SEC Nation, and Clay Matthews, who joined us today, the former Green Bay Packers great, Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer this upcoming season. You missed any of that, check it out wherever you get your podcasts or available on YouTube as soon as we get done here at the end of the show. Dad, let's start off with this. Uh, the NFLPA now, for the second straight year, has released their all-pro team, voted on by the players as opposed to the NFL all-pro team, voted on by the media members. And a few standouts on this list. First off, congratulations to our Notre Dame boys there. Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame safety, yep. with the Baltimore Ravens on this team. Zach Martin, the all-pro perennially at right guard. And I believe Quentin Nelson tied for the left guard spot on this team as well. So a bunch of domers represented in this thing. Well Actually, actually, it was Joe Batonio and Tyler Smith uh, from oh, the Cowboys who tied. I was wrong about that. At, at left guard. Oh, the wow. amazing thing about this, and, and kudos to your side of the ball, Mike, is obviously on this roster you're going to see Hall of Famers, especially throw out an Aaron Donald, right? He's walking into the Hall of Fame. But you look on that offensive line, four of those five guys are going to oh, yeah. are, are no-brainer Hall of Famers, right? Trent Williams. Jason Kelsey, Zach Martin, Lane Johnson. These are all guys who have been playing for a while, still making all pro, not pro bowls, all pro teams, and are all four going to walk into the Hall of Fame. I mean, it is unbelievable. And, and I know that's the hardest, can be the hardest position to decide who gets these awards because there's no statistics to it, but it is voted on by players. And yeah. so when you get, you know, defensive players, no. You know, when you're playing against these guys, uh, who the best are. So that, to me, is probably the oldest group out there and damn well most impressive group. I think that's when you know, too, is there's no statistics to decide it, but everyone still looks and goes, yeah, those are yep. four. Fr I mean, those are first ballot Hall of Famers, each and every one of them. Some yes. of the greatest to yes. ever play their position. And so when you know that decidedly with a group that's that hard to define, it's damn impressive. Dad, no Micah Parsons on the defensive side of the yep. football. How do we feel about that? Well, I mean, the edge guys were Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. I mean, yes. that's the thing. I mean, what if they – you know who else What wasn't on there or, or, or is, is T.J. Watt. He, yeah. he led the league in sacks. He's the only guy to lead the league in sacks for three years. Again, it's Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. Remember, it is voted on by the players. So those two left off. And, Mike, by the way, you, you left off one domer. Brandon Aubrey, the kicker. Oh, yeah, shut I, up. Brandon, Dude. this story – is unbelievable still. He never played football at Notre Dame. He played soccer, played in the soccer MLS minor league, and then kicked for the Birmingham Stallions in USFL. And went on to make, what, his first 34 field goals? He missed two last week. Those were his first two misses of the season. One was blocked. He missed the other one. Dude came into the league like, this is hard. I mean, and, and just was a star. So, Kudos to him as the third domer in this, but I just had to mention that quickly. But, yeah, think about an all-pro team with T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons left off of it. Antoine Winfield Jr. snubbed again, too, the way he, many felt he was in the Pro Bowl. Got to be feeling some type of way. His dad was tweeting through it, which I understand. So uh, a great list of deserving players all around on that group, though. 
Uh, and we'll, you know, I'm excited to see this every year because, like you said, the players, Lamar Jackson, for what it's worth, by the way, yeah. the quarterback that was voted on this all-pro team there, not saying it's predictive of the MVP, but I think we can all see the writing on the wall. Speaking of the writing on the wall, Emerson, let's get to that. We've talked so much about the coaching candidates in this hiring cycle. We've neglected one who either could be the incumbent to keep the job he's currently at or somewhere else in Antonio Pierce. Yeah, that's right, man. Players with the Raiders right now, they want Antonio Pierce to be hired as the full-time coach, but then you've got teams like the Titans that are requesting to interview him. So the Raiders going five and four, right, after he took over. I feel like the Raiders have been in this position a few times over the past few years where the interim guy comes in, shines, players love him, and then ownership's like, no, we're going to go with someone else uh, on the outside. So what would you do here, Gojo? <sighs> Boy, oh. I'm not – it's really a tough one for me because I think if Jim Harbaugh is available and interested for the Raiders, you swallow your pride and you make that move for a guy that's been such a proven commodity at every level. I know in college, I more associate the danger of the interim head coach being slapped with the head coach full-time tag because yep. the locker room vibes really like him. That's not always something that <laughs> indicates sustained success as a possibility. But dad, I do think we underrate the skill set that Antonio Pierce has demonstrated, which is the ability to lead people people and manage we so often have these things pegged for people that are high level coordinators but that's a different job entirely and Antonio Pierce we see the value of these interim tags in giving guys the opportunity this conversation came up a lot with Jeff Saturday last year about the opportunity right. lost especially for a minority candidate to go out there and show in real time and practical application what someone's capable of and so Antonio Pierce has the best job resume to walk in with uh, of many of the first time would be first time head coaches in this cycle what, what, what the happiest thing i'm for with antonio pierce is the fact that a lot of people thought it was either he's going to get the head coaching job with the, with the raiders or he's going to go back to being an assistant with no, nothing in between so now him getting interview if he can get him in other places i think that is fantastic for him i'm with you i would love him to be the coach of the raiders but you have to pull the reins and say okay you know, the locker room loved him and a lot, you know, and he's I, I like him a lot. But it's also you're comparing him to a guy that they hated in Josh McDaniels that was yes. knocked out of there. Now you're going forward on more of a long term deal is you have to you have to stop and take a breath and say, is this where we want to go? I would love to see him be the head coach there. Like I said, I'm glad he's getting the interviews in other places. So. We'll see where this ends up. You know a name real quick, Mike, I haven't heard with all the interviews going out there, and a guy that we've talked about before, Eric Bieniemy, have not heard his name yeah. much in the circles here as he went over and finally got to call plays as an OC for Washington Commanders. They're looking for a new head coach, and, you, you know, he's, he's a name I haven't heard a lot of. But back to Antonio Pierce real quickly, I would love to see him get the Raiders job. I think Me that'd too. be great. Yeah, he, he certainly has all of the vibe, and we've heard this echoed over and over as someone who really understands what it means to be you know the, the Raider as it's been thought of traditionally over the years. Emerson, let's get to the third. Yeah, baby. This is an interesting Amazing. one for me. Go ahead and set this up. Yeah, yeah the, this is how we're going to end the show on a high note here this morning. A bowl game featuring two of the worst teams in college football, question mark. Yeah, it's exactly what one Southern California-based promoter wants to see happen next year we're talking the irrelevant bowl although sources or reports rather say there is no chance the ncaa would issue the necessary waiver allowing for a proposed 
irrelevant bowl. So right now, that would involve this past year 2-10 and 10 Vanderbilt and 1-11 and 11 Akron. The tagline, no polls, no rankings, no controversy. <laughs> so, Dad, as a card-carrying member of the Sickos Committee in college football, shout out, doing the Lord's work, the idea of appreciating the whole totality of the sport, even the games that other people might look sideways on, I can't get down with this. I mean, oh, you're I talking. I've been on bad teams before. The last thing you want to do is have to go and play another game after that kind of disappointment of a season. This is, I, I understand the intention, but in execution, I just don't think it works. I'll never forget when you were playing Little League football and your team oh. stunk. Uh, they, oh, they were, they were bad. You lost every that. game. Lost every, every game. <laughs> and you had a bye weekend. And the coaches, for some reason, felt, let's go scrimmage a team instead of giving everybody, including us parents, a break from the obliteration you guys felt. We went to do a scrimmage somewhere, I think, in Massachusetts. This is when we were in Connecticut. I don't know where we went, but we went to a team that kicked your butts worse oh. than any team kicked your butts during oh, the yeah. regular season. So you were bad. You went there and then got your butt kicked more. So I'm with you on this. You know what these two teams need to do? And went 2-10 and 10 and 1-11 and the season. Be done Ooh. and be done and go relax. Didn't they do the irrelevant bowl this year? Go enjoy winter break. Don't do yep. this. We don't need to make this happen. Nobody's asking for this. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they never stopped to ask if they should. <laughs>